Logan, do you have a preferred pizza topping? Sausage. I don't. I don't necessarily know why. I like when I think back for for the fact that like my mind is a palace for useless shit <laughs> that like I don't need to remember, but I do. Uh-huh. The fact that I don't remember why I don't like like why I like sausage. Huh. Because again, you're just always the sausage man. Yeah, which is weird family? because it's basically like when I eat pizza with my family. For them, it's either cheese, pepperoni, or five meat. There's right. never an in between. Yeah, zero to sixty. Yeah. And then my mom eats supreme pizza, which we call stinky pizza, <laughs> and that's basically where it is. Like, yeah, anytime I'm with my family and they're like, "What would you like, Logan?" I was like, "I'd like a sausage, but I know you're not going to give me a full pizza, and I will <laughs> eat pepperoni." So I eat pepperoni most times. Sure, sure. I just like sausage in general, like whether it's breakfast sausage, oh, whether yeah. it's like very specifically kind of artisanal sausage, where it's like Cajun or just. Mm-hmm. Any any type of sausage, I'm I'm down for it. I love summer sausages. Summer sausages are delicious, mm-hmm. and I think I mean breakfast pizzas are a reason too for that. <laughs> I mean, not like cafeteria, like middle school shitty pizzas, right. but like like real ones. Yeah, yeah, like real, like <laughs> actual real food, quote unquote breakfast pizza, like food. Yeah, and you are pepperoni, right? No. Uh, well, I'm I'm I mean pepperoni is probably what I get most on pizza, just because it's you know kind of america's most agreeable pizza topping um Mm -hmm. and i mostly eat pizza socially but um honestly kind of like my unsung hero for single pizza topping is salami yeah oh yeah which is kind of i don't you know every time i tell somebody that i just got a salami pizza they're like whoa salami and they're not like grossed out they're just like i didn't know you could do that that definitely feels like uh, you go to a pizza place and they have like 40 different topping options yeah. and you see salami and you go, either you go, ew, but then you go, why'd I say ew? That actually would be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Or you go, ooh, they've got salami. Yeah. I'll just probably stick to pepperoni and or sausage. Right, right. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things, but I might have to check that out because I, really, I don't really eat salami with yeah. pizza. Papa but. John's, I mean, I'm not going to sing their praises too much because they're, you know, bottom barrel pizza, but... You know, they do offer salami as a standard topping, which I don't see in most places, and that's how I discovered salami on pizza was through Papa John's. I guess that's another good Ninja Turtles question is, what is your favorite big chain pizza, I guess? Oh. Uh, well, because the turtles are, they eat Domino's in the 90s movies. Yes. Um, I I guess if I'm going to go chain, big chain, probably, probably Pizza Hut. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the minority. I guess I'm not. Don't at like Pizza all Hut. Big. My family again. Oh, they my family loves you? Pizza Hut. Like that's <laughs> what they would get when they eat pizza, or when they don't want it. When they want to get cheaper pizza and not yeah. like, because there's Greeks. There's yeah. I mean, there's Enzo's in our area. All is really yeah. good pizza. I really, like, I really prefer local places. But oh, yeah, absolutely. If I'm gonna go big chain. I'm in mm-hmm. Pizza Hut. What about you? Uh, I guess if it's big chain, I have. To, I think I might go Domino's. Okay, yeah. But at the same time, it's like I am one of those people where, like, my girlfriend. The first time we started dating, she gave me so much, so much shit oh, for, for saying Domino's. No, for liking Little Caesars. Oh, like there's just a time where it's just like shitty pizza is okay. Oh yeah, and I, it's like, good for a you know a cheap meal. Yeah. Five dollars, hot and ready, baby. Nobody yeah. else is hot and like, ready. Like I get it. She loves deep dish, and I constantly say that's just a bread bowl with lasagna yeah. in it. Yeah. But I also I say that I'll eat <laughs> <laughs> fucking Little Caesars with no issue. But yeah, it's if I have to like if I choose if I had to I would probably usually choose Greeks if there's any pizza place like locally I would choose because I'm more of a like a sweet red sauce kind of guy oh, with okay, my pizza. Yeah. I like that. 
And there's not a lot of chains that really do that other than yeah. Domino's and maybe just, Papa John's. I just like how many herbs Domino's uses. They got a lot yeah. of flavors going on in theirs. That is true. And I really like like one or two slices from Domino's, and then after that I start to feel gross. But I do like those first couple slices. Mm. That's just pizza in general, though. Pizza's just gross. Not gross, but, like, greasy. <laughs> it's greasy. Like, it's like, heavy. It's mm-hmm. it's meant to be, like, one slice can fill you up. Kind yeah. Of. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, in our, in our hometown, there's a place called Zwanzig's. Oh, love Zwanzig's. I mean, yes. But their pizza, too, when it's a, it's a big slice, yeah. it's, you're going to get a lot of grease. You're going to have an orange hand. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with dabbing it off with the napkin no. before. That is that is a very much a big thing at any <laughs> local pizza place. Yeah. Uh, well, other than all of our hot pizza takes. Oh, yeah. What else is there? I mean, we is, is there movie roundup time? I guess we could. I mean. Let's see. What's happened this week? Uh. Uh, Knives Out Two started production or announced that they're starting production. Yes, uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog is <laughs> yep. apparently happening. Yep. I, I remember, I think early this year when they had a teaser, and I went, "That's not real. <laughs> There's no way. Like it feels so late to do yeah. this because that feels like a show that like was has been on PBS since I was a kid or wherever it was on. Like the books yeah. are great. Books are great kids books, but it's like. Yeah, I just don't Why? picture there being a following for Clifford at this point. Yeah, there's plenty here's... of people who know who he is, but like mm-hmm. actively interested in a new Clifford story. I don't, I don't know, know if you watched that trailer, but to me, I did not. It gave me the vibes of like, oh, and I thought Tom and Jerry's trailer was bad. Like uh, it is bad. See, what's weird is you sent me that the Clifford trailer, and I, just based on the thumbnail, I was like, this is giving me real Tom and Jerry vibes like 2021 tom and jerry vibes. yeah no yeah just it's, from the thumbnail i didn't even click on it yeah it the the new tom and jerry film that came out in february it does that trailer has the vibes of like i would say late to early 2010s because the music choices they yeah. have are like really early bruno yeah they have lizzo but it feels out of place which is funny because it comes out this year right but someone said it best with clifford the big red dog where it's like wow this just this looks like a fun film that came out in the early 2000s and everyone forgot. Yeah. Like, and I mean. this is not something you want said about your movie. In no, no, of course not. It's also coming out in September, which is like, if, and if anything feels more like, you know, things are getting back to normal, it's like <laughs> September being like a Russian roulette like oh, yeah. type of week. It's like second January of the year. Yeah. When are we getting Shang-Chi? When are we getting Clifford? It's like every now and again <laughs> you get something where it's like, shit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the big thing we should talk about that could probably be the fill up the rest of this time is F9. We oh, both yeah. saw F9. F9, the fast saga. Not only did we see F9, but F10 has since been announced. Oh, yes. It's not just F10. It's F10 part one and two. Yeah. They, which I swear uh, to God, when they announced, I think, after eight that they were doing nine and ten, I swear they said they were doing eleven. I don't. I don't remember uh, them maybe. saying they were doing ten in two parts. Like it's well, deathly maybe, fucking maybe the hallowed. plan was to do eleven, and then they decided, no, nah, let's do the epic thing where we make our finale two parts. I I cannot wait to see yeah. the cuts of that, the five I'm... hour cut of Fast Ten, because <laughs> the the films are only going. It's going to be two and a half hours because the ever since Fast, I mean Fast Five I mean, onward. Long. 
great. Yeah, fast, fast Five Onward have been like at least two hours and 15 minutes or at most two and a half. Yeah, F9 was two and a half. Yeah. Almost. Hobbs and Shaw, I think, is like four or five minutes like Oof. shorter than F9, even though it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. I think eight's the same way. Like they've mm-hmm. they've hilariously kept to the two and a half hour mark and still make well, yeah, a it's fuck kinda, ton it's of money. Like the Marvel movies, if every Marvel movie was an Avengers movie, oh, it's like that's... every every single Fast and Furious movie at this point is like the big event film of the series. Yeah, it's every single one. It's just I it honestly when I saw a Quiet Place Part Two because we we both have. I don't say completely different opinion, opinions on F9, but I definitely enjoyed it, and you didn't enjoy it. Like, that's yeah, kind of where we were. Well, I think we're both kind of on sort of opposite leans of middle. Mm-hmm. We're both kind of like, well, it's not a great movie, yeah. and it's not a terrible movie. I lean toward it being bad. You lean toward it being a little better. And I think you probably generally have more positive opinions on the series than I do. You're I, more of a fan than I am. Yes, and I and um, I I don't know if there's any much explanation as to why other no. than like my my experience with the Fast and Furious franchise genuinely started with Tokyo Drift being like this is tied to those other two, right? <laughs> yeah. And then from that point forward it was like I didn't see 4 in theaters, didn't watch 4. Everyone made fun of it because it was Fast and Furious, and they just took out the thes, right? And didn't say Fast Four or anything like that. <laughs> but then when Fast Five came out, I remember watching it with my parents after it came out in theaters, and being like, "This is like genuinely good." Mm-hmm. Like in like in places, I would say Fast Five is the closest to being like a really good movie. Yeah, I if actually... not great in places, and especially when it comes to the action and the and the and the setups and the choreography yeah. with that. And I actually really enjoyed Fast Five. Yeah, Fast Five it's is just the peak of like that kind of crossing point of like dumb over the top stuff and like earnestness mm-hmm. where it just kind of works and you know it's not you know it's not trying to be intelligent. It's not trying to be super, you know, highbrow mm-hmm. or anything. It's just a blast. That's what's so funny too is I I think just recently, uh, Sung Kang I who think plays is Han. yeah who plays Han I hope I said his name right, love him Han's my favorite fucking character in the <laughs> series and I'm so glad he's back. Sniper but like, Han. Yeah, but like him talking about the series, he's like it's kind of bizarre how he said he even said it about Tokyo Drift too. It's like it's crazy how it started off as corny action movies and now they are the blockbuster tentpole that makes billions of dollars worldwide none of us mm-hmm. none of us expected this yeah or really thought it was going to go this way and like in the process is become like it's so bizarre reading reviews for this film where like at this point there is not i don't know if there's a single film franchise other than the mcu and probably bond to a degree where it's like this is the ninth actually 10th film yeah. in this franchise and we're now at a point where it's like it's still making almost the same amount of money that like the others are like i mean this one's making less mainly because we're still getting used to getting out of the pandemic yeah in terms of movie theater wise we're still in a pandemic but right. in terms of like how much money this could have made out of a pandemic i think it would have been easily as much as f8 if not a little so. bit less and then yeah. even then, that makes sense when you have ten fucking movies. Yeah. But it's like, it's no other real series 
it, like in modern day fits that except for the MCU. Yeah. Like, and it's it's wild to think that, like there's no besides those two in terms of classic examples. There's no classic examples. Right. Like most most film franchises that get to this point are like even even hardcore fans are like I'm out. <laughs> like it's either like Jason goes to hell, which is like the ninth Friday the Thirteenth yeah. film, or like the the Freddy versus Jason I think is the ninth technical Nightmare on Elm Street film. Oh, yeah. and even then that movie didn't make a lot of money. Right. And, and and it was just like it's horror films. <laughs> and here comes the here comes the series that was made off a of shitty Point Break, yeah. and it's still going strong twenty one years later, <laughs> and it's shocking. And I just think I when I watched it with Adam, because again, I know for a fact that like in terms of overall quality, this movie is not great, uh-huh. but like in terms of the energy in the theater, Adam, Adam, our friend Adam, at one point turned to me and with I think a decent amount of sincerity was like. I hope they make 20 of these. And I was like, you know what? I kind of hope so too, because it was just, it, it felt like the closest we've gotten so far to feeling normal. Just being in a room with a bunch of people who are going nuts oh, yeah. over just the dumbest shit. And yeah. that's, and it was, it was a fun time. And it's, it's going to be curious to see how it does later on, if it's going to drop off hard because I don't, because it is now the biggest opening in theaters yeah. since the pandemic has started opening theaters back up. Or yeah, it, the is, pandemic and it is interesting you say that about its potential of, you know, having legs or dropping off because, like, it is getting pretty, like, low ratings online. Yeah. Which, which is kind of surprising given its success. I mean, I guess people yeah. were just chomping at the bit for a big movie, especially a Fast and Furious movie, but. It is surprising to me because even though I didn't really like it, I still think it's you know better than a, a heap of the other ones. Um, yeah, that's the thing too. And it's too, weird is... to see the internet kind of turn on it a little bit. Like say like this is the first bad one in a while. And it's like really. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> really, say this is the first bad one. <laughs> I was gonna say it's just like there's. I will admit that there is not a lot of emotionally resonant like aspects to the mm. series. Yeah. And a lot of it, yeah, sure. If, I mean. Even when Paul Walker, you know, rest in power, King. Like seriously, he's, I mean, he didn't deserve to die the way he did. No. I mean, he deserved. He should have. He should be in the series now, and unfortunately, he isn't. Yeah. But even when he was still in the series, and he was like basically the heart of the family itself and of the crew, it still wasn't like a, a super strong yeah. kind of like emotional resonance. Like it his, was still his, kind his, of like them swinging for the fences emotionally, and like, yeah getting out to second base <laughs> yeah there's still parts where like when like click in fast and furious 6 there's like a whole subplot where like brian has to pretend to go to prison so they can talk to the villain from four yeah and i and i loved i love i love to forget that that happened because i never <laughs> i don't give a shit right and that's like that's kind of how the series has been to a degree and i feel like the reason why f9 hit me so well is i think practically everyone in the cast and crew excluding vin just knows like we shouldn't be making this, but they're giving us money right. and we're having a good time. And for a lot of us, this is going to be what we're known for, whether we like yeah. it or not. Right. So fuck it. Let's send Tyrese into space. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it work. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to see that. And I think it is funny to see the internet quote unquote kind of like turn on the film. Cause I think I hilariously, I think Christopher Nolan says it best where it's like, 
we kind of ask films like this to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. You never really want a film like this to go smaller. When you do, yeah. it can work, but usually when you do that, fans hate that. Yeah, I mean, how can you? How many times can you kind of turn over the same level yeah. and the same amount of stunts and that sort of thing until it gets tired? You kind of mm-hmm. have to go bigger every time. Yeah. And or at least it, get more creative. So that's, Yeah, that's at the point, too. And it's also, yeah, it's at that point, too, where it's like if F9 had flopped for some other reason, I wouldn't feel heartbroken because we still have nine films <laughs> yeah. before that. But, uh... Yeah, I mean that 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 is something that like I've I think I've told people where it's like if you have liked the other ones or you're just looking for something dumb to see in theaters because it seems like a lot of people are going to see this film on the on the basis of like I just haven't been to a theater in a year and this looked like dumb fun that I could get into without thinking about it. Sure. And it and it is. It kind yeah. of is I mean there are better films in theaters right now in terms of actual <laughs> quality, but like if you're looking for a dumb fun film that works at its best when you're in a dark theater with a bunch of strangers right well, i think if nine's that yeah well i mean if you have seen a bunch of the other movies in this series and you like them i personally don't really see why you wouldn't get something out of this one if you like the others yeah. i don't particularly like the movie but i'm also not really on board with the series you know mm-hmm. yeah as you know speaking to people who are fans i would think they would enjoy it because it seems to give everybody what they wanted Mm -hmm. here's here's the thing if if getting 20 more fast and furious is 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 the is basically what i need in order to get green knights (laughs) and other lower independent films to to get more prominence and to actually get theater spaces and more of the country i will take dumb tent poles if that means theaters can stay open enough and our theaters are willing to risk putting more smaller films on screen because i feel like if it wasn't for f9 this year it'd be a bit more rocky in the summer in terms of like sales because i mean into the in the heights underperformed sadly uh, the Conjuring Three is doing fairly well, but I think is now slowly going yeah, it's down. Gone off the core, far yeah. enough away from a quiet place now that it's not yeah. probably pumping out huge numbers. Black Widow comes out next weekend, so it'll be interesting to see how that does. Yeah, or not next weekend, but no, it, uh, yeah, it is yeah, next it weekend. It is next yeah. weekend. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. we're we're recording this live All right on July third. So, <coughs> yeah, so it's yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is like when I was watching F nine, it's like I don't love the film because I think it's like truly gonna be in my top ten of the year or like one of my top hundred favorite films of all time. It's just just gave you a good time. Yeah, it's it's just a good day, especially post COVID or in terms of post like quarantine and stuff like that. That's kind of that's all I really need. Right. <laughs> especially with something like this. Yeah. But, uh, well, how long have we talked about things unrelated to the today's trilogy? <laughs> oh man, we're pushing nearly twenty minutes, so oh, I think cool. we should really Sorry, go into everybody. It. Nah, nah, we're having a good time. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Sowash, and I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of films, whether they're tied by number, by thematic elements, by cast and crew, and we talk about the good and the bad and the weird surrounding each film. And today, we are going to be talking about the first trilogy of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films, which yeah, I think we should... believe it or not, we, there are two trilogies. Yeah. So, in honor of our countries... <laughs> hey, what's more American than mutated turtles stalking the streets and eating pizza in yeah. New York? 
Yeah, what's the what's Teenage more? Mutant Ninja Turtles are an American staple, and that's how we're celebrating this country. Because how else are we going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, in case we sound a bit different, we are trying a new microphone setup. Yeah. So like we we found out. I mean, Andy found out he had you got a microphone. Yeah, I bought a new mic. And so we're we're trying to change things up a bit. There's a there's a box in between us just to kind of cut out any feedback <laughs> yeah. that our mics could hit on one another. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if we're just seeing how it sounds and. We're excited, honestly, to talk about these films, mainly because not only is it, you know, the original trilogy and has just a bunch of 90s cheese all the way through, mm-hmm. but the at least the first two films of this f- trilogy are kind of hold a near and dear place in both of our hearts yeah. in different ways. And going right into the first one, 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it is a film that I think both of us can agree is a could be on the list of a film that we've seen more than 10 plus, if not 20 plus times. Yeah, I watched this movie and the sequel on repeat sometimes on yeah. VHS as a kid. Yeah, because my situation was too, is I had the first film, I watched it a shit ton of times, and then at one point I think my, my parents were trying to get rid of like excess DVDs because we had so many DVDs, and they were like, You've seen Ninja Turtles enough. Like you're you're good. You've got other movies, and it's like, but I love Ninja Turtles. And then they left, <laughs> and then when they came back, they're like, they took the first one, but they wouldn't take the second one. Right. And so then the second one became the one I watched the most <laughs> in that process. But yeah, the first Ninja Turtles film is, it's just strangely wild because the film is 31 this year. Yeah. And it. And we watched like a really. I think it's it was it wasn't 4K what we watched. I mean, because HBO. Yeah, Max, I don't know. It was the highest. It's yeah. However, yeah. HBO Max. God, could you imagine there. there was a 4K restoration of this film? <laughs> it wasn't it's, 4K, but it was super. I mean, it was definitely remastered. Yes. And super crispy mm-hmm. and looked really great. Yeah. And I'm used to watching it on. I mean, I probably hadn't seen this movie at least the whole thing since I watched it on VHS. So, like, I'm not used to seeing it in this quality. Yeah, it was one of the earlier DVDs that I got, too, of, yeah. like... Because I, I had so many VHSs, and I don't know if I, never, if I ever had this one on VHS. I definitely think I saw it before I owned it. But then when I owned it, it was one of those early DVDs because it had all these other Noon Line films that are just absolute dog shit. <laughs> they were, like, pushing and, like... I think that was the first time. Have you ever heard of Theodore Rex? No. It's the Whoopi Goldberg mid-90s film where it's a buddy <laughs> cop film where she teams up with an anthropomorphic T-Rex who oh, loves to awesome. eat cookies named Teddy. <laughs> and that is definitely a film we'll watch in the future. Did it get a just, trilogy? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I think we should watch it with alcohol involved okay. just in our own <laughs> okay. free time. Same but uh, but that that's kind of that's what's so funny is that's kind of like the era that this movie comes out of because there's just a yeah. bunch of kind of schlock and kind of just like slop for kids to watch and then yeah it is a very campy goofy movie I mean I think that's kind of heightened like when watching it through a modern lens just because of the costumes you know because the turtles are totally practical outfits oh my God, it's yeah. not like they had CGI mm-hmm. or anything to to do that with but what's astounding to me is even 31 years later the movie not only holds up it's mm-hmm. just actually a really damn good film it's just yeah, if really not great charming. 
Yeah, like, I feel like it is, yeah, it's definitely a film where, like, if someone didn't grow up with this film, it is going to take them a little bit to be like, oh, those are just guys in suits. And it's understandable. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the the voice actors that they get for it, the body actors they get for the Turtles, it just feels like in that first film, it's the best combination of both of them. Yeah. And it's just all three of these films are a tight 90 minutes. Right. So, like, even with the third one, which is both of ours least favorite one and not really that not good, good of a movie, yeah. it's done just a few minutes after the the second one in terms of, like, runtime. Yeah. And what's so, what's so fun about that first film is just, like, you can see what it's trying to do to kind of pull in a kid audience where it's, like, it has kind of a kid it has a kid surrogate character who kind of gets his own like i would say c plot yeah uh it's what who's danny he's not, yeah who who's like this he's just this bad kid quote unquote just a troubled kid who like starts stealing vcrs and tvs and stereos for gets mixed the up foot with, clan yeah get mixed up mixed up with the foot clan which is a local band of ninjas yeah. In New York City. At this point, do we even really need to explain to anybody what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are? I don't like, think we need to explain what they are. We can kind of go over plot beats as they come along. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically... It's not exactly an origin story, this movie, although they do tell the origin of the yeah. Turtles as in flashbacks. But they it's tell more the... just kind of... I mean, this movie came out at the height of Turtle Mania. I mean, the height of this property's popularity because yeah. the comic hit in the late eighties or mid eighties. And then the, the cartoon series hit in 87 and that was a so. huge merchandising. Boom. Yes. So um, by, by the time you could say the cartoon was losing speed yeah. or steam, this film comes out and becomes an absolute hit Yeah. for how small a budget it had to the point where, like, I know for a fact, because it's one of the worst openings of the original cartoon series, they they just used clips from the original, from the first film in the opening of, like, the latter Turtles, like, openings for the show. Oh. Where it's, like, I think, like, seasons, I think maybe... Are you talking maybe... about the, like, live-action series in the 90s? No, I'm talking about, like, in the 80s cartoon when it was winding oh. down. Like, the okay. last opening they had for that show... They just like intercut <laughs> scenes from the first film Gosh. with like cartoon moments because they also redesigned the turtles to look a little bit more edgy and just oh, like yeah. a little bit darker and so yeah, like yeah. oh it fits the film more <laughs> right and they're just like you really, really don't trying to really capitalize look edgy that. in the film yeah and it, I mean that's that's another thing too about the film that's kind of shocking is like the film is vastly different tonally than the cartoon is. Yeah, it's still got that family vibe. It's definitely kind of, I mean, it still feels like a family film, at least to me, and maybe part of that is kind of the quaintness of the 90s creeping in, but it does have a little bit of a darker edge. I mean, the cartoon was very much for kids. Um, yeah, and this has a little bit more of a real world bent. I mean, it's never it's never graphic or super violent or anything, but it kind of has that gritty, grimy underbelly of New York feel. Yeah, it's it feels like the nice balance between the show and what the comic is. Yeah, because the comic is basically the comic is making fun of. I I think I'm pretty sure it's making fun of Miller Frank Miller's interpretation of Daredevil. Well, I think that's specifically how it, the idea how it spawned. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the first arc or the first few issues 
were mm-hmm. kind of based around that. And the whole the Foot Clan is a parody of the Hand, which is yes. the ninja kind of organization that Daredevil mm-hmm. fights. And I think even both the comic creators of Ninja Turtles have said that like the quote unquote head cannon is that the kid that owns the turtles that drops the fishbowl with him in it is Matt right before he gets hit by oh. like the <laughs> so like it's that kind of That's stuff awesome. where it's like or like the fact that Splinter is just a Splinter is a smaller piece of wood com- uh, from a stick, right? And stick, which is, stick is Daredevil's master. Or yeah, something. so it's it's like it's very clear now. When as a kid, I had no idea. Right, and I mean, if you're if you're just watching, you know, either the show or the movies on their own, if you're not reading that original comic, you're probably not going to really pick up on no. strong undertones of parody i think the comic was probably the biggest piece of satire and then the rest of it was just its own thing they were like yeah let's just run with these ninja turtle guys it was it was basically the comic runs and the comic does fairly well enough for a comic but it's not a huge hit until like a toy company jumps in i think it's playmates yeah playmates is like we could turn this into a gold mine right and then they make the tv show which the tv show it's like the first season of the TV show is just five episodes, which they turned into like a two and a half hour block on TV. Oh, okay. It was like they turned into like a Friday night ABC movie yeah. and it became like a huge hit. And that's where the <laughs> show becomes such a big deal in the 80s. Right. And then the movie comes out a couple of years later and just, again, keeps them relevant when it seemed like that steam was coming, like it was kind of coming to a close for them. Yeah. And the show, what's also funny too, is like the movie does things that the com- the show never does where oh, it's like right, yeah. it's it, it's got innuendo and mm-hmm. some well the biggest thing is raf i think raphael is the biggest thing because i think raphael in the original show again i haven't seen i own the original show like all of it yeah, but I've i haven't seen, i've seen bits gone, and pieces but i've seen like i think up to like season four but okay. like it's it's a show that's made to sell toys to kids. Yes. Like at a certain point, it's like <laughs> not, I not get super it. Super substantial. Yeah, that's a toy that'll be out in two weeks in the eighties. Right. I get it. You're just I I get it. It kind of has the vibe of like more of the vibe of like an animated PSA than an actual mm-hmm. <laughs> TV show mm-hmm. with its own story. Like it's no surprise that like the better Ninja Turtle shows, which I I, I hope this isn't a hot take, but the eighties is a classic for a reason. But it's not the best cartoon interpretation of these characters yeah i think yeah it's defined by being yeah imprinted in people kids Mm -hmm. of that era's brains i don't think it's actually that great but i think like the 2003 the 2012 and even the most recent version which i started in 2018 i think they all have the added benefit of being like actually very try to be very story heavy and try to build off of lore that was kind of Still, they're still selling toys because that's why they keep making Ninja Turtle shows. But it feels like post, basically post Avatar, they're like, we can probably make a show that sells toys, but also is like genuinely kind of written well well enough comedically, two thousand three, dramatically. The two thousand three series, which was what WB Kids or Fox? It was Fox. Fox It was on. It was on Fox. It was on Fox Box. It was on the Saturday morning opening. Yeah, that four kids and stuff. Had a lot of like heavy dramatic arcs and you know multi episode storylines and lots of continuity and a lot of weird stuff too. Which I mean, the the source material has a lot of weird ideas, but they pull a lot of those into that that series and i remember thinking as a kid like man this is really grim you know which i think a lot of the reason why they do that is because the film 
make this first film makes it work so well. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I don't think as a kid I was ever really scared of anything in this movie, but it did kind of it does unnerve you a little bit as a kid when you hear the moment in the film when they find out that Splinter's been kidnapped and then there's this like ramped up 360 spin around Raph as he screams bloody murder as he's about to go on a rampage. Raph has a lot of good screams in this. Yeah, he I mean he yells damn. yeah, just yells damn all the time. <laughs> Uh, his voice is the most, which again in the in the show in the eighty show, it's it's like iconic voice actor Rob Paulson just like making him the snarky rude one. Yeah, and then you get into the fucking film and it's like forget about it, pizza Brooklyn. Yeah, ah, he's way more. I'm a New Yorker, and it's like Raph is the Raph is like up to twelve. It's not an eleven. It's straight up. He is just like a caricature of New York. <laughs> And from that point onward, I think literally up until this most recent cartoon version, yeah, that's they've stuck. kind of played that. He's the thug, the gangster of the mm. group. And they've always, and it seems like they found out that he's he could probably be the most interesting one because he could be the one that goes off and does his own thing and slowly yeah. realizes how he can be a team member as well as become like a genuine, like not an asshole. Yeah, I mean, so many of the iterations, including this movie and since, have stuck to that kind of formula yeah. of we're gonna do, we're gonna have Raph go off on his own, cause a bunch of problems for the team, do a bunch of introspection. He builds his own relationship with somebody else, and then he winds yeah. up back with the team and understands the power of family. Which is funny. <laughs> the thing is, like, the one that doesn't really do it that much is the third one is Turtles in Time, and even then, that's the worst one. The third film. <laughs> Because in that one, yeah. it's more in that one, it's more Mikey, because Mikey yeah. gets taken from the group because they think he's like an enemy, and right, then they find right. out he's a fucking turtle. Fun fact though about uh, the third film, I've been calling it Turtles in Time. I don't think that's actually at all a part of the title. I'm pretty sure Turtles in Time is just a video game from the nineties. It, it is. It's it's the fourth one, which is honestly Turtles in Time. TMNT four Turtles in Time is one of my favorite video games of all yeah. time. But, I've but been, I, I keep calling TMNT three Turtles in Time because yeah. they go back in time. That, I mean, that's I mean, I've, the people understand what that one is, and I also oh, yeah. think I swear that they put that on the box at some I tried point. Looking around but earlier today, I couldn't find it. Then I guess it, it's a Berenstein Berenstein situation. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess I just assumed it was it's a Mandela effect. Yeah, but from this point on, it's just Teenage Mutant Turtles three. Yeah. And with the first one again. The first one's the best one. It's got the best pacing. It's got the best tone. It has some of the best and most fun of the action, yeah. I would say. Probably, and, yeah, because after this movie, the the parents of the 90s were not fans of that violence. That's Because that's the funny thing, too, is like Ninja not Turtles. Not this movie's even violent. Well, no, but it's but it's violent. I mean, it's... It is probably the most violent of the three because you have a foot ninja like beating the shit out of April at one point. Yeah. Like like and beating the shit out of it's basically like a backhand and she falls over <laughs> and passes out. It's not like anybody really gets like stabbed or no. their gut sliced or anything. Because that's like what that. they did in the comic and they <laughs> right. knew they couldn't do that in the show. Yeah. So I mean that's the reason why in the original show the Foot Clan is made of robots so they could use their weapons and not feel yeah. any kind of remorse when yeah. they cut off a robot's head yeah which do, is kind of in the 2003 series too yeah which There's is a lot of robots which is kind of fucked because also i think in the 2003 version they have robot friends 
Oh yeah. And like, and they still do that without any hesitation. But these like, are bad robots. Yeah, these are. Yeah, these we have the bad the, guys. These ro- the good robots are blue. The bad ones are red. <laughs> right. Yeah. That type of shit. But yeah, it's very clear in this film that like this is right before like parents and like an actual studio was work because like this is I think technically mainly independently funded the first film was pretty much an independent yeah and it works incredibly well and i think it works so well because of that yeah because it has to work on such a small budget Mm -hmm. and it has to figure out how to make us i mean the fucking finale of this film just takes place in like a random street in new york yeah it's not it's not like oh my gosh they're gonna blow up this building if we don't stop shredder or like yeah well that was also the that the 90s was kind of pre- blockbusters and big adventure films didn't always have to end in a big explosion like they do now <laughs> no but it's it's very clear though that they do that because it's like well, yeah, we could we can make this fight work here because right. it's it's funny that you watch the whole film up to the finale and you're like you're seeing the foot clan's headquarters you're thinking about like oh man maybe the turtles will show up here and then maybe fight off all the actual ninjas and the kids will like join in on them no the, the turtles never see the base yeah. They are they are they are just fighting foot ninjas in like you know apartment complexes, the streets, the <laughs> sewers, and the only person in the team who really gets to like actually like fight some people is Casey. Yeah, when he sneaks in as a foot ninja, <laughs> then he fights the the main heavy Tatsu. Right, and then like he basically tells all the kids, "Oh, like, this is a family. Your family's stupid." Is yeah. basically what he's this saying. Family, and the kids are like, "Yeah, that's right. This ain't a family." Yeah. You tell him, Casey Jones. Yeah, and then, like, I think at one point when he's doing that talk, Splinter just, like, shakes his head embarrassed because, like, <laughs> Casey's not saying anything, but he's saying it like Raph would say yeah. it, and, of course, it works. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so good. Like, it's it just, very, like... It's a very charm and warm, warming movie. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, all the turtles are so endearing, and, I mean, like, I don't feel like there's quite as much differentiation between them in this one as there are in like later ish- iterations of the characters. Even, yeah. even the second movie has a little bit more distinction between the turtles, but yeah, even then, still, as a unit, they're a lot of fun. They're bouncing off each other a lot, and mm-hmm. the suits are incredibly expressive, and the actors wearing them. Oh yeah, the Jim Henson's so Creature Shop fucking kills it in yeah. this. Yeah. Like even, this is even when Donnie opens his mouth too wide and you can see the actor's mouth inside his mouth. Uh, it's still great. Uh, it hurts me every time I see it. It freaks me out. Yeah. But yeah, this is like I think one of the last films that Jim Henson's Creature Shop does before Henson passes away because mm. the next film, which takes place in '92, right? Well, they release in '92. That's when they do a memory of Jim Henson. Yeah. So this is like the Creature Shop. It, it just makes a phenomenal suit. That works incredibly well in the first film for all four turtles. The voices across the board are perfect for each voice, even though Raph's is hilariously comical now looking back at it. So influential. Yeah, I mean, you have like Robbie Gist Gist, who's Michelangelo, and honestly, I think does the perfect Michelangelo for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Brian Toshi, I believe, is who does Leonardo through the entire series, and yeah. I think his voice gets the best amount of like. He definitely has the sternness of a leader, but he also has enough of a high pitch that it's like very clear that he's a teenager. Yeah. And then you have Corey Feldman, who is obviously also like I think is the most like he's the biggest star of the voice acting right, cast right. at this point. Yeah, because he would have been 
mm-hmm. big from like Stand By Me and what Lost Boys or yeah, no, I mean yeah. a lot of films. Yeah. And at that point, and it's like, yeah, at that point, it's funny to think that like that version of Donnie is, I think the the outlier of where they go with that character from that point yeah. forward. Because I don't think any other character kind of sounds like that per se. They definitely take inspiration from that. Yeah. Because you get, like, other versions. You get, like, Sam Regal in the 03 version, which is, like, I... Th- the Donatello in the 03 version, I think, is, like, quintessential yeah, voice of Donatello to me. Of. But then you have, like, uh, in the 2012 version, Rob Paulson comes back and I think kills it as Donatello in his right. own way. And then the most recent version of it, it's got Big Head from Silicon Valley. I can't think of his <laughs> yeah. name, but he kills it in that as well. Yeah. And I think all the voices in the first film are great. The woman who plays April O'Neil is fantastic in this. I think it's yeah. Judith Hoig or Judith Ho. Yeah, I think I don't know how. It's pronounced, uh, yeah, I hope I, I didn't. Right. I, if you if you're listening to this, I apologize <laughs> if I butchered that name. There's also Elias Cotillas who plays. Honestly, I think the the reason why Casey is the way he is prior. Yeah. Like I mean, or like afterwards, because it's like I think of like because I never saw Casey in the original series. He's in the original series, and he looks like a dork. Like he has like the hockey mask and like right, the, right. but he just looks yeah. so silly the in that. Tough guy really comes out in this movie. Yeah, and in this one, like I think one of the reasons why I like him so much too is because there's a moment in the middle of the first film where they do a farm sequence. Yeah, and the farm sequence. I mean, I've had friends tell me that, like, as a kid. I mean, Adam has told me like the farm sequence was his least favorite part as a kid <laughs> because it just like had nothing going on right. in terms of action. But watching it now, it's like the perfect moment where all the characters start to like kind of resolve or at least talk through their issues. Yeah, and it's like perfect in that moment because you have Donatello making fun of Casey while they're working on a car. Yeah. Leo and Raph kind of settle their differences right. Because I didn't really get to talk before, like Raph gets his ass beat <laughs> right, yeah. after this big fight. And well, there's just some really great visual storytelling and editing in that scene. Yeah, the farm scene. Oh, the transitions from the drawings to the actual yeah, shots are really good. Yeah, April's like doing drawings of him in her free mm-hmm. time, right? W- yes, then, which I have to assume what they did is they actually shot the farm sequence and they shot that stuff with oh, Judith I'm afterwards. Sure, yeah. And it's perfect. I think yeah. it works so well. It's a good choice to it's do great. that. Yeah, and honestly, yeah, I, I really love that farm sequence and I think it kind of makes the movie in a way, at least in terms of like its heart mm-hmm. and emotional beats because you really figure out where all the characters are at and that's probably where the biggest kind of uh, distinctions between each turtle appear the most is in mm-hmm. that that section of the movie. Yeah, because I think the only I mean, it's Leo is the one who discovers their like final training piece in their training. Yeah. Mikey's the one who's the most emotional during that training. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, Raph and Donnie. Like Donnie's the one where it's like, you know, supporting it but also kind of wary and Raph is just like, I just don't give it. There's no way this. We just have to go fight him. We have to butt heads. Yeah, Raph is kind of like broken because he's like, yeah, just the whole time he's broken ever from the point that Splinter gets taken. Yeah, he's just like, oh, we gotta get him. And then like, when they when they when they talk to the Force Ghost to Splinter, even though yeah. Splinter's not dead, it's just him talking to all of them. It's right. it's just a fun movie all around. Yeah. I mean, there are stuff where it's like I do think the April and Casey relationships a bit undercooked. Yeah, it's it sure. works enough because they're both attractive people and they both have <laughs> enough chemistry that you can kind of believe. Yeah, of course they're probably, yeah they'll probably bone maybe between one and two. <laughs> who knows? And 
And there is stuff where it's like, you know, the whole Danny subplot has his father and his father. No one, no one cares about Charles, I think is his name. He's oh, just, right. he's just there to bitch to April about Danny until Danny runs away. And then we don't see the dad <laughs> yeah. again until the very until end. The end. And it's yeah. like, and oh, super cool. proud of Danny. Yeah. And there's that whole thing where it's like, April, you're fired. And then like, it doesn't lead to anything because she just ends up getting a better deal from her job <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah. Like, he pretends like he didn't do that to a degree. And, yeah, overall, it's just, like, an extremely tight, fun movie that still is just... I think any kid could watch it now and still enjoy it. Yeah. And I think the film does a great job of explaining just, like, the basics on Ninja Turtles and basically why people like it, Mm -hmm. especially why kids like it. I mean, I... It's also funny, too, that they do in this... In the first film... I love how they actually use the comic origins in terms of who Splinter is. Where Splinter isn't uh, Hamato Yoshi but turned into a rat. In this yeah. version, he's just literally a rat who is smart enough to do kung fu. He's Yoshi's rat. Yeah, he, he just learned it. Yoshi. He learned how to do martial arts yeah. and then survived the death <laughs> of his master and then touched some ooze and then became a big rat. Right, right. And it's funny to think that that's the version they use because it's fun to watch a rat puppet just do stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I think of the scene where he's, like, trying to lead the real turtles into a coffee cup. And it's, like, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like the little coffee cup and the little spoon and, like, an animatronic rat. And there's, like, real turtles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the first one's super yeah. fun. And that's then about, like, I yeah. mean, two years later, you get Secret of the Ooze. It's got, a, it's got almost twice as big of a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, their weapons are shittier. They barely fight with their weapons because, again, like Andy said prior, you know, parents were just like, we can't have them use their weapons. Yeah. So, like, you know, I guess the process is in that point, Leo rarely ever – Leo pulls out his swords but kicks and punches people before yeah, actually like, ever using them. he uses his swords as, like, leverage. Yeah. Or like, stick his swords in the ceiling and then swing off of them. Mm-hmm. Donald Donatello's bow staff basically becomes a pull cue. Yeah, he just becomes a tiny. It kind of it becomes a tiny stick that he always pretends he's like chalking yeah. up as if it's a pull cue. Raph, I mean Raph again. Raph and both Mikey. Mikey's probably the one that gets the most actual hits, but even yeah. then, it's because well, they're sticks yeah. and it's with not chains. All, it's not all bad because it kind of forces the movie to be creative with how they, with the action and the turtles come up with some goofy fun moves yeah. together, um, and it just allows for kind of a lot more comedy in the fight scenes uh which is fun even if it's not i mean i don't know i don't feel like most of the audience of the time or even today would be going into these movies looking for like hard beat em up action like, no no that's what the games just, are for yeah, yeah this... it's just a goofy time and i think if you can turn those fight scenes into comedy bits then great by this point the, sh- the cartoon was done this yeah. this like turtle mania had again exploded yet again, mm-hmm. and will, this will ultimately lead to another a live action show that's dog shit. <laughs> and also like there's like the tour, there's like the Ninja Turtles concert series. Oh yeah, the which live. is hilarious that that <laughs> ever happened. And it's if you if you just go online and you look up clips from that concert series, if or if you ever went to those shows, like wow. Like props to your parents for letting like actually buying that and going with you because of the stuff that I've seen, it's wildly just awful. <laughs> but then again, I mean that's sometimes that's a parent's job is just knowing something's awful, but if that kid likes it, Enduring. it goes for it. 
And with Secret of the Ooze, it as a sequel, I would say it is a noticeably less, a noticeably worse sequel, but not like overly worse. It's just yeah, like it still has the quality has definitely dropped a bit. Yeah, it still has the same kind of charm, I would say, and like the turtles are still pretty much just as likable, but there's just mm-hmm. it's there's less of a like point to it. Yeah, and I, there's kind of less of a an emotional through line through the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, it's just kind of how can we get these turtles back together again and have them go on an adventure? Yeah, for a film that's supposed to be about what's the secret behind the ooze that turned them all into giant turtle and rat creatures, the answer is, oh, it's a big conglomerate that just dumped a bunch of ooze and is shitty, and that's it. Yeah, that's there's the not secret. really any, any yeah. insight to be gleaned from the background of yeah. the ooze or its origin. It's just like, And it, it seems okay. like the... F- I guess we have ooze now. And it's almost like it seemed like either the screenwriter or the director, someone found figured that out during filming because there's a certain point towards the end of the film where Donnie just has like a weird break where it's like, so we're just an accident? We weren't. This wasn't made by fate, and it's like Donnie. What are you talking about? Of Donnie course, it was an accident. Crisis. Have you seen any other turtles like you? Right. Of course this was an accident, but it's like it's just like unnecessary drama that gets like absol- like resolved Very really quickly. quickly. Yeah. And then it's like the rest of the film basically is Shredder was supposedly dead in a garbage truck. No, he wasn't. Nope. He's back, and he decides to make two mutants of his own, Toka and Razor, and they both look goofy as shit, but I love them and they work incredibly well in this movie. Yeah, they're just they're super funny in terms of like they basically take a baby wolf and a fucking snapping turtle that were super young, turn them into monsters, and then they just become giant baby mutant versions of what they were. Right? Yeah, they're big, big. Yeah. dumb brawn having creatures. having shredder yell babies with the seriousness <laughs> of like a tragedy yeah when he's talking it's so funny that is one it's... thing i think i kind of appreciate i still think the first one's a better movie but yes. i think what i appreciate about the sequel is just how much it leans into that goofiness without yeah. ever feeling like like shitty goofiness like oh they didn't mean for this to be goofy like it's very much like a, it, it knows it's kind of a dumb. I don't want to say it's a self parody. It's not going that far, but it's knowingly goofy. And like, yeah. you don't have Shredder yell babies, not no, yeah. knowing that that's a good gag. Like, it's <laughs> it's very clear at the end of that first film, they it's a self contained story. Like, yeah. they not they're not prepping for sequels. They no. are making a film through and through that it's like if this doesn't make enough money, we want to make something that we're proud of that'll work yeah. well on its own. And then it does, and then it makes a fuck ton of money, and then it's like, well, we have to find a new issue. We have to find a new thing, but I don't know if we have... They don't have the money to do, like, an animatronic Krang that probably looks good enough. Yeah. Or, like, actually do Dimension X stuff, so of course they're going to stay and keep it in New York. Right. And just basically be like... The second one is basically Shredder Strikes Back. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's literally the same conflict, except... Now there's, like, ooze monsters involved. (laughs) And hilariously enough, even though the film is released two years after the first film, in-universe, it sounds like everyone has, like, the death of Shredder happened, like, months prior. Yeah, it doesn't seem like any time. It hasn't really been a year (laughs) since it happened. Like, like they they talk about, like, it's been months. Right. Like, and it's, like, everything's different because, of course, it is. Yeah, and they've been living with uh, April. April. 
because they Which, need a new place. That's that's some to me again. This is another film that I've seen twenty plus times. So it's like the first thirty minutes are just ingrained into my brain. Yeah, and that so might be the best stuff of the movie. It's the it's funniest just... stuff. I mean, I think Donat. I th- again, the Donatello. Like you know, it's hard to find real estate in subterranean housing. <laughs> yeah. Like it, that's. And that's so funny. And the fact that, like, they all, when they get pizza, there's, you know, ninja pizza, pizza that vanished quickly without trace. Right. Well, they're putting sprinkles on pizza, which yeah. is, like, they're just, a all staple. All the antics in her apartment are great. Them yeah. Just moving around in the background during scenes, breaking stuff. Oh, yes. Stuff, throwing stuff. It's just four teenage boys in a, in a woman's apartment. In a, in a early to mid-30s woman's apartment yeah. who is sick and tired of having these boys here because all but they she, do yeah. is eat. Pizza. She's all, also like an insanely good sport about it, and like still cheery, even though she's frustrated for them. To yes, leave, you know. I I think it's... They, just, they just have a really cute relationship. <laughs> her April and the turtles. Yeah, which it's a new April Paige Turco, and yeah. she works really well in yeah, this one does, and in the third really one. Well. She's a good replacement. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer that you know they didn't weren't able to bring in. I don't know what the reasoning. Was I don't know that. either. I, 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 it might just available it or didn't want to. Or, might have gotten other roles or just gonna maybe yeah. a solid gig. But they're both like great, honestly. And I wouldn't really, mm-hmm. I wouldn't take one over the other. I like them both. Yeah, and no Casey. Uh, no reason. Why. I don't. I guess I yeah, assume they don't another really give a reason. Either they didn't find a way to write them in, <laughs> or they just didn't want to pay for them, or maybe yeah. there's others reasons where it's like I don't think there's any real love lost in that no, situation. Yeah, where it's I didn't like, even think about it, honestly, until we started watching the third movie and he's yeah. back. Yeah, and he just comes back <laughs> like, like nothing oh, happened. Casey wasn't in the last one. Yeah, and it's, and it's wild that he's in that third one and he has yeah. his own subplot that's just like weird and just two there. Characters. Yeah, and in, I mean, Secret of the Use, it's just more of the same, but goofier. Yeah, and, it's just goofier. But it, I mean, at the same time, it has some, like, I think some standout moments to me are like, the main professor, who is like a, a British actor, who's been in, he's been in like Time Bandits, he's Sark and Tron, yeah. he's been in a bunch of other movies, and I think in this film, he kills it. He plays it tongue in cheek enough where it's very clear that like he's not overplaying it and thinking that it's a dumb movie, but he also knows this is a movie about four mutant ninja turtles who are fighting a mutant version of a snapping turtle and a wolf yeah well he's kind of the perfect straight man in mm-hmm. a movie like this because like him being the scientist like he takes all of the stuff that they're dealing with very seriously yeah like, and, like he doesn't see the humor and it doesn't understand why all these people act the way they do like he's he's not a good guy like he's a part of tgri right and yet like and like at the very end of the film like when he gets the ooze back he just runs away and they never see him again like he just <laughs> goes into hiding yeah because like they know that like TGRI did some shitty stuff, yeah. but it's it's just funny because anytime he shows up on screen, even though he's like in front of the big bad, or he's in front of the Ninja Turtles, he doesn't talk to any of them differently. Right. He just like talks to them as if they're just people in suits. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of funny to see that happen. But I mean, the biggest part, the most notable part of Sigur the Use, is Vanilla Ice. Oh. The yes. the climax Ninja at rap. the dock bar or the dock club. Dockside club. Yeah, the dockside club. Yeah. I had never realized that it has the spray paint that the says dockside. Yeah. yeah. Where they go to a 
abandoned like construction site on a dock. Well, it's because that's where Shredder's like base yes. is, and the yeah. turtles raid it and then get basically thrown into the dockside club, which is so funny. Yeah, and then like when they get to the dockside club, it turns out Vanilla Ice is doing performing. A He's doing a sh- an underground yeah. show in a like a speakeasy <laughs> venue on a shitty dock in and, new york and like a weird pseudo moment where it's like in back to the future where marty does johnny be good <laughs> fucking vanilla ice blurts out this beautiful 90s uh, to the max rap uh, about the ninja turtles yeah it's one of it's truly just a blast every single time i've seen it yeah and he's just so into it like vanilla ice on screen you can just oh tell yeah he's having a good time yeah like it's it's and it's he actually and a genuine dancers are just putting their all into yeah. it yeah like is it a great song absolutely not but is it a bop it's a bit of a bop yeah, oh yeah. i'm i have a, i have a fun time every time Speaking i hear of it bops the like the main theme in these movies is great too oh my gosh i the opening of that first film will always be ingrained in my yeah. brain when that music kicks in during the sewer. The freeze frame yeah. in the sewer with and then, the shadows. And then the second one, again, has a bit of a kind of an iconic opening where it's like, you're coming back to see the Turtles. It's been two years, you know. How do they open up a Ninja Turtles film? Everyone in New York's eating a piece of fucking pizza. Uh, yeah, I, Everyone's eating pizza. It's yeah. it's. I think you said it best. You were, I think you are about to say where it's like, there's never been a time where you want to eat pizza more than when you watch that opening right, scene. yeah. And it's just, I mean, I just want to say I love the New York that they kind of build in these two movies. Oh, absolutely. I say these two because they spend no time there in the third film. But um, <laughs> but in one and two, just it's it's gritty and you're mostly in the underbelly and everything's kind of wet and sloppy. But like also life goes on and people are still kind of, you know, just milling about. It's a very lively but dark New York, and I just love it. It's yeah. like it's not nearly as fantastical as like Burton's Batman, but it kind of has those vibes of like just mm-hmm. I don't know the the schlocky grit of the city. Oh, it's yeah, it's got it's love. got hilarious, it's got personality that I think will be amplified to the umpteenth degree in like Raimi Spider Man series. Yes, where it's yeah. like in it's the like first these movies kind of to yeah. me feel like the proto Spider Man. Yeah, because like in the first film you have. The cameo from Raphael's voice actor where he's in the taxi <laughs> yes. when when like Raph like rolls over the taxi and he goes what the hell is that yeah. and then like the taxi guy like goes turtle. yeah some some turtle in a trench coat and like says it so nonchalant yeah, like he he's, and, he's a New York taxi driver yeah. he doesn't and then in, and then in Secret of the U's when Shredder tries to, when takes Toka and Razor out to test their abilities on a street. An old couple just sees both those mutants fucking up the street yeah. and the old man's like. Looks like a big wolf and like a turtle fucking up the war. Like, yeah, and I mean, then his, his wife goes, "Well, let them get their own cat." And it's perfect. And then they just get in the. Taxi it's and it's leave. it's like a trailer line. I think both of those scenes were respectively in their tra- oh, their films trailers. But yeah, I just I just love that backdrop of New York in those two movies. Oh yes, those and yeah, Spider Man is another one where I just I the kind of the city feels like a character. Yeah. in the background, and. Yeah, these these first two movies are just it's one of those things where it's like I think I went to the bathroom once or twice while watching two and I never I never lost track. I know exactly where we are <laughs> almost minute by minute where it's yeah. like I come back and I go, Yeah. This is the point. This is the part where they have the Bart Simpson company puts the goop in it and like right. the, they make the, <laughs> the pills this is the stop the uh token razor yeah, and, and put them in donuts. Yeah, and then you know, at the very end you have, you know, super shredder. There's also the fact that like in Secret of the Use, um, 
In the first film, the body actor for Michelangelo is Ernie Reyes Jr., yeah. who is like a a very notable stunt actor. Yeah. Like he's a, he's in Surf Ninjas. He's in both this. He's both in the first Ninja Turtles, and then he's his own character, Kino, in the second film. The last time I think I remember seeing him, well, it was like it, it was the Uncharted fan film with Nathan Fillion. He's like the main villain in that. But the last film I saw oh, him in, wow. yeah, the last film I saw him in full blown was he was Rosario Dawson's brother in The Rock's The Rundown. <laughs> He's the guy that beats the shit out of The Rock like halfway through the film when they do like wow. this like pit fighting thing. And and I was he like, like half his size. Yeah, and okay. he beats his ass. Wow. And it's like I remember like what I think. On the Rock for letting that scene. <laughs> it, it's it's early Rock. It's still <laughs> it's still Mummy Two yeah. Scorpion King okay, era. Okay, yeah. There were, there was no uh, you know I take no two hits you take seven about, yeah. yeah there's no I can math only be equation in certain ways uh, but yeah I mean I remember seeing that film younger and maybe it was a rewatch where I was like holy shit that's Kino and in this Kino's in, a fun addition yeah, he's fine like I yeah. I like I like the energy he brings I like the scene where he knows the turtles live with April yeah and he's trying to find them right. And the fact, and like the whole scene where like he's trying to be part of the Foot Clan because Raph wants to figure out where the yeah. foot is, and they do the bell test where they have to take <laughs> yeah. off as many bells as they can in 15 seconds, and then Raph, after <laughs> he takes all the bells off of it, like that's yeah. that's some fun shit. Yeah, both these films are extremely fun. And with that said, let's get to our third film, <laughs> uh, the Turtle. Somewhat Mutant- less fun. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, not. Turtles in Time as a subtitle, just TMNT3. <laughs> but the Come, turtles do go back yeah, in time. Comes out a year after this one, so 93. Yeah. It has a little bit less of a budget. I think only like four or five million less. Okay. And honestly, you can't, you really, it looks like it has like 10 million less. Yeah, it looks times. like they lost all the budget. Because the premise, in case you've never seen the third one, which is understandable, because I think most people who grew up with one and two always knew the notorious like nature that three always held because three similar to how Batman and Robin is seen at that time. And I think most people still kind of feel this way. It killed Ninja Turtle films. Yeah. Where it's like, even if there was a chance for a four, which they definitely at one point had early development, tried to make a four right, and didn't become anything. This is the film that kind of makes any kind of turtles projects kibosh until 2007 Mm. and this film is basically ninja turtles get sent back to feudal japan (laughs) and they have to get back to their time that's it like it's basically to find a way back yeah april finds this dope scepter coming back from vacation or at least is a flea market yeah she goes to a she goes to an old flea market and finds this ancient scepter (laughs) and and accidentally activates it and then becomes like switches spots with a prince yeah he's like I, a I think, prince yeah, or... i think he's a he's like a prince and then the turtles are like we gotta go get april and so they decide just to hold the staff until four people hold the staff yeah because you have to have the same amount of people who hold it in a time it's frame the worst time travel device ever which i have to say it's hilarious that it's like time it has to wait until like the exact time someone holds it like four people do right and no other timeline ever <laughs> no other time frame it's yeah. not like it's not like the 1800s japan some four people decide to touch it it's just japan <laughs> it's just like 1600s japan that's the only way to get back to yeah it's also weird because it's like 
I guess the movie doesn't really get into it, but I just went down a rabbit hole in my head about the contemporary, the 90s timeline and the feudal Japan timeline running concurrently. It's like those are happening at the same time, yeah, even so though there's... really they couldn't be because they're both different spots in time. So really, if you grab the scepter, couldn't you just match up with whatever time in the future when somebody else grabs the scepter? I, I think the ticking time that they establish is Donnie says once they time travel, they have two and a half days <laughs> until like time catches up to them and it's like almost treats them like a virus in a system and oh, then just like just turns them into mush. Them. Yeah, like it just kills them where it's yeah. like, you don't belong here. We don't want you to fuck up time. You're dead. You're ooze. But then, right. like, later in the film, they talk about it, and it's like, it seems like they completely forgot that that's the reason yeah. why they need to go back. Because Michelangelo's like, I want to stay here. Right. And Raph is like, I kind of want to stay here, too. And then April's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> There's no pizza here. Right. It's not the 90s. You're going to hate like it. You tried to make pizza. It didn't work. It's literally, like, 390 years in the past. Yeah. You can't do anything. You can't do... I don't, what? What do you want to do? It's yeah. it's. I mean, it's such a wild premise that you think would be perfect for the Ninja Turtles, because yeah. they do go to Japan. I think they do do time travel stuff in both the comics and multiple iterations of yeah. the show. Yeah. But in this film, it just doesn't really work because well, it's they're, just so meandering. Yeah. They go back into Japan and they're thrust into this conflict that they have nothing to do with pretty mm -hmm. much i mean the first two films are literally all about shredder yeah and then this movie has nothing to do with anything so i, I talked to adam about this because he hasn't seen this film in a while and I, he never is going to rewatch it which is understandable because yeah. i don't know if i'm going to ever rewatch it unless probably not yeah. yeah but it's like the three biggest issues i have with the film is one the suits are awful. Yeah. Like the so like going from going from the original film to Secret of the Use, there's a noticeable downgrade, but there's still good suits that have enough character in each one. Yeah, they have a good skin texture. And, and... Yeah. And then you get to the third film and they all look the same shade of light yellow green They're bright green with like these awful green. spots yeah. and they now have these pointed beaks as yeah. mouths instead of having very defined unique heads because in the first and second film they kind of have like they're all shaped differently yeah like i think raf has the biggest like widest face yeah. no i think that's donatello but like they all have enough differences in their head size and they're kind of like their mouth shape that they're very unique in their own way and then the third film just like cheapens it with like they literally just look like the same suit but different bandanas colors yeah and then the the writing is like I think the second my second issue is the writing. I mean, there's some funny jokes. Yeah. But it's not like enough to be like, oh, that was worth watching. They kind of go for the approach of like, let's just throw as many like references as, at the dartboard as we yeah. can. Like Which, every scene, Donnie or Mikey is throwing out some reference to somebody who is significant yeah. in 1994 or whatever, mm -hmm. or 93, whenever this came yeah, out. Yeah, because when I think of the first film, I think of the James Cagney, you dirty rat. Yeah. It's like, that's like one of the only references right, they make. Right. In the second one, there's the scene where Michelangelo reenacts the finale of Casablanca <laughs> yeah. with April, April, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, and then in those this one... timeless references, because those are classics that you're referring yeah. to. But at the same time, it's like in this, you have an Adams Family joke that was it's awful and it's in the trailer. Yeah. You have uh, a scene where April's ripping off 
like pieces of her outfit because it's like super sweaty and she kind of wants to have like I guess a s- just like less like more kind of like mobile kind of look yeah. because it's mainly like a dress type scenario and both I think Leo and Donnie go swing like it's Wayne's yeah. World and that's weird it just doesn't fit yeah and then there's like there's a Don King reference, Don King reference. which is funny as shit because I don't know why yeah there's a Wayne Newton reference which is probably <laughs> the only one where I was like that's kind of funny it's funny just because it's kind of like how did you think of that? That's some boomer humor. <laughs> yeah. That's that's some that's that that's funny that that film and had to that. To be fair, the the Shogun or you know whatever the Emperor, <laughs> he does kind of look like a yeah. Japanese Wayne Newton. Yeah, he, he's got a little bit of that that like slicked back it's hair. The hair, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's just the writing doesn't really work as well. Yeah, and, and they, the characters kind of lose a little bit mm-hmm. some of that distinctiveness that they had like in terms of their personalities, they kind of become a little yeah. more homogenized which in is, this one. Which is kind of shocking because you have this in this film, the one that has I guess the most emotional arc to a degree is Mikey. Mikey, yeah, because he, Mikey wants to stay. Mikey likes getting to be with the village and getting to be with yeah. them and help them and and then the second most notable arc is hilariously Raph. Yeah. Where, like, Raph, it's Yoshi, the little kid Yoshi. with a little kid, yeah. Yeah, Raph basically like goes, like, you need, you need to control your temper. Did I say that? Like, yeah, it's like, he like, just, oh. it, it has that, it has that, uh, it had the feeling in, in, like, an, it's like an unironic version of the part in Into the Spider-Verse when Spidey goes, do I want kids? <laughs> like, that joke is to make fun of, like, hey, look, this is my arc. Right. Like, that's yeah. a tongue-in-cheek thing, well, as in the third film, it is a bit of a joke, but it's also like obviously you want me to care about their relationship right. with the kid. And then the third, my I think is the, my third issue with the film is that Walker, who is this uh, white colonial, you know, God. gun trader who is trying to sell guns to the Shogun, um, he is I guess technically the main villain, and he sucks and yeah. he's useless, and it feels weird that like. The Shogun, who's like the main, and who's like the most prominent antagonist for most of the film, he talks about like he's scared of the turtles because there's like a prophecy that the turtles were like overthrow his reign, or or they call them Kappa, yeah, because they look like traditional Japanese demons, and he believes that they're here because they're trying to overthrow him and his family and whatnot. Right. And then there's Walker, who Walker just plays like. Like, I guess a shitty little finger, shitty Jafar, but yeah. like with no kind of power. He's just kind of like, haha, here's my bird, here's my gun, you're <laughs> yeah. surrounded. Right. And it's just like, I, I, I mean, I'm glad, I, I guess it's like weirdly progressive that like they, they decide to, they make the white guy the bad guy yeah. to a degree, but at the same time, it leads to a, it, it leads the antagonist being first film, it's Shredder. Tatsu in the Foot Clan. Yeah. Second film, it's Shredder, Token Razor, Tatsu in the Foot Clan. Third film, Shogun and Walker. Yeah. Okay. They're just not okay. Colorful villains. Yeah. At all. They just aren't great. Yeah. And then like, and then there's a B plot, or I guess C plot, where we're back in modern day, uh, where Casey is babysitting plot. all the feudal J- Japan, like yeah. Japanese warriors, as well as the prince. Right. And it's very... I thought it was more prominent in the film. It isn't. Yeah, it really doesn't it, take up a lot of time. Yeah, and it also just feels like, well, okay, this is why you brought him back? Like, Casey's yeah. back just to be a babysitter? Yeah. 
Casey's and then it's role. Casey's more significant role. I don't know if it's more screen time, but his more significant role is as his ancestor. <laughs> yeah, they he decide plays his own ancestor, who's some Englishman who's <laughs> on the ship with this asshole dude. I would love it if the way they sold Elias Cotillas on this film is. I know you weren't in two, but not <laughs> only will you're going to be in three and be prominent, you'll also have. Two roles. Two parts. And yeah. it's like he it goes, oh, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And then he, because he plays, yes, he plays Casey's ancestor or, let, they don't even say it's Casey's ancestor, but they're heavily implying it. Yeah. And his name is called Wit. Right. And like, and then April just decides to be like, oh, this is Casey's ancestor. Obviously, he's the same exact person as Casey, which is just wonderful logic. And then, yeah. like, she gets mad at him for betraying them. And it's like, what do you expect? You don't know him. He just right. looks like a guy you know. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then the film just, like, I mean, the funniest part about the film to me is uh, Walker's death. We could talk yeah. about how, like, yeah. he just, he, he like, uh, old Casey shoots like a cannon at walker it ki- like breaks a piece of like this rope he's, he's like holding standing off on of. the wall of this fortress yeah. over the ocean and he basically like, like gets scared and trips yeah, yeah. well he kind of gets thrown back by the explosion when yeah the, when the cannonball hits and, and flies then, off the edge and then he falls into the water oh. and <laughs> instead of actually splashing into the water or even trying to simulate that he just disappears when it the it hits like where it should yeah, be the impact. Yeah, it's a top-down view of you watching yeah. him fall down into the water and he's just, you know, he's falling away from the camera getting smaller and smaller and he just gets small and then he just kind of blips out of existence. Yeah, it he literally doesn't, he doesn't splash, he doesn't yeah, sink, it, he doesn't It do it anything. looks like I mean cuz it's very clear what they did is they shot blue screen him falling. They shot him falling, or at least maybe they even did cheaper, and they just, like, suspended him, and he just, like, went, ah, and then they just shot that. And then they did, like, the plate of the water, and it looks like, it literally looks like a more archaic version of if you go into Photoshop, and you just raise the layer. (laughs) And then he just falls past the layer, and then they just go put a... Yeah, <laughs> well, they put a, a splash sound, but it no is the most visual. It's the most basic thing. Yeah, and it's so funny. It's just the. It's kind of the perfect send off to a character who's just so incredibly yeah. forgettable. And it, you give him the most memorable death because it's so stupid and well, silly. A memorable, but like so half-assed. Like yeah, the most half-assed character in the movie gets a half-assed the f- goodbye. We get death by trash compactor for Shredder in the first film. We yeah. get death by Pier in yeah, the Pier second one. Him. And then Walker gets killed by rocks and disappears into the water in the third one. Yeah. And then the film ends on a dance sequence. Yeah. And just like that, and it's weirdly, the series is over. <laughs> it's one of the few like kind of group goofy group moments in the series that just sort of totally fell flat for me because like usually when you get all the turtles together and they're all doing some big thing it's like it's fun even if the movie around it sucks but like Mm -hmm. that ending dance number is awful that opening dance number is also awful it's funny that like movie is just bad the move like the movie opens like the transition from feel japan to modern day has one of the boldest and like funniest, and again, I think it's not even meant to be funny, but it's just funny that that's where they decide the transition to be, 
where they go from a sword being pulled out of a tree <laughs> to a rushing subway train. And it's yeah. like genuinely well put together in terms of like kind of like, it's, like it's get cool matching. Cut. They're trying to they're cutting to match energy. Like they're saying yeah. it's the same energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it really isn't in terms of speed, but at the same time, yeah. it's just funny that that's the moment they decide yeah, to cut. Yeah, from an audio visual perspective, it's a really interesting cut, but it just doesn't. It's like why? Why, why yeah. did that happen? <laughs> and I will say too, for all three films, while I don't think any of the directors go on to do anything. They don't have huge filmographies Years, after yeah. this. I think all three directors do a decent job. Yeah. And I think they do a decent enough job with what they're given because it's very clear that a lot of the issues there, it's less on them and more just like they're given this, they're given that. You the know, and team the team is not there. The, yeah, the, the support is the not there. The team and the support gets less and less as the films go on, which makes me wonder what a fourth film would have been. Yeah. Had well, a studio wanted that to happen. Yeah. Well, and, and it, that never did happen, although, interestingly enough, a pseudo-fourth film eventually popped up in 2007 Yes, in the form of the animated TMNT. Yeah, so do we just want to go transition into the end and talk about well. what we're doing next? Yeah. I mean, so now that the 90s Ninja Turtles films have happened, and, you know, they were popular at their time, third one kills them off real quick... <laughs> And they're basically done for nearly 14 years. Yeah, Turtle Mania kind of goes into hibernation until, until 2003. The 2003 show, yeah. When that show comes out. And, and of then the it, video games remained really popular into the yeah. late 90s. Oh, yeah. The, the video games are genuinely well made yeah. and will always be classics. But, yeah. Now that we've talked about the original Ninja Turtles trilogy, it's now time to talk about the trilogy of films that aren't i mean two two of them are connected but yeah, the first not one's not going to be a trilogy yeah but. well this is this is our truly going to be our oddest trilogy because this trilogy is going to be discussing the ninja turtles in the 21st century yeah we are talking about two different iterations of the turtles where they tried to bring it back and try to make it as popular or at least try to replicate the popularity of yeah the they films kind, they kind of tried two different swings yes. at reviving the turtles. Both of them, which I would say, one is very much more flawed than the other. Yes. But um, we are going to be talking about, in the next trilogy, we're going to be talking about 2007's TMNT. Animated uh, film. Yes, the animated film, fully animated film that is technically, leaves hints into saying that it is canonically the fourth film in the live action series, right, right. which is bizarre, Yeah. which we will keep in mind as we watch it next. Yeah. <laughs> And then we're going to be talking about the two Michael Bay-produced films, uh-huh. which I believe is 2014's yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And 2016? And then I think 2016, yeah, 2016-2017's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Yeah. And, and we're going to be talking... go for the, the Transformers-esque mm-hmm. reboot. Yeah. So now that we have, like, the, the 90 series is the quintessential of both good and bad Ninja Turtles, we're now going to be discussing next week... The attempts to make modern day Ninja Turtles and where it works, where it doesn't, and where it gets really, really <laughs> weird with their interpretations. Turtles in the 21st century. For sure. So tune in on July 10th when we talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the 21st century. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>